Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the forgotten entertainment family hello there i'm colleen i'm daniel and i'm anders we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories so obviously we love star wars and if there's one thing the internet just can't get enough of it's nerds talking about star wars so each episode we journey to a galaxy far far away to discuss what's new in the star wars canon and beyond this is yet another star wars podcast Today, we're excited and emotional to share our reactions and Mm -hmm. feelings about The Bad Batch Season 2 two-part finale. The episodes were written by Matt Mishnovitz and Jennifer Corbett. They were directed by Daniel Villanueva and Stuart Lee, so they're the ones we need to blame. How dare you, Jennifer Corbett? Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) So, I guess I'm going to be restarting therapy. We'll be sending Mm -hmm. that uh, copay over to her. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. She is definitely the most one to blame. So everyone, this is your official spoiler warning for these episodes and all things Star Wars. So if you're ready, grab a drink from the mess and a box of tissues for all your tears as we discuss The Bad Batch Season 2, The Summit, and Plan 99. Let's punch it with our episode recap! (laughs) All right. On Pabu, while things are still nice, The Bad Batch are still deliberating on whether to go after Crosshair. Echo informs them that Hemlock will be attending a conference on Iriadu, Tarkin's home planet. He suggests crashing the conference and putting a tracker on Hemlock's ship to follow him to Crosshair. Pretty smart plan. Uh, Hunter thinks they'd be at a major tactical disadvantage, but Tech and Omega convince him. As they're ready to leave, Fee shoots her shot with Tech, who is super oblivious, and like, come on, man. Say no, goodbye I, he to started. Lady. He started to get it towards the end. At the towards very the end, end, he was like, confused maybe i get it (laughs) hey man so hemlock arrives at iriadu and we meet the major imperial players one of the men says that they should deploy stormtroopers to ensure a secure military presence tarkin insists that they need a comprehensive strategy for galactic unification fearing that people will act with rampant self-interest Oh, Which, like like who? I can't imagine who. Yeah, who who would be doing that? Pot calling kettle black boots. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and Krennic is sitting right there, and even he's going like, wow. <laughs> like, ooh. Hemlock makes his case for the cloning project, and as you mentioned, Colleen, we trek in with Krennic, mm. our lovely little asshole over there. Mm-hmm. When I saw the character, I was like, I wasn't quite sure. I'm like, is that Krennic? Is that a young Ben Bendelson? Are we seeing? <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yeah. So the Bad Batch land on Ariadu, uh, and they make their way up towards the conference by using a Skyway rail carriage. This is a really cool scene. That was cool. Yeah. Great set uh, piece. Great set piece. Great like action moving with it. It was awesome. Uh, they make their way into the hangar and they to plant the tracker. Omega is successful, but she's almost caught by a mouse droid. Luckily, 
Wrecker does what he does best, and he smashes it. He stomps it. And I was like, yes, finally someone did what they should do to those little fuckers. Um, Fair enough. Foremost, right? He's just trying to do his job. (laughs) Hunter and Tech discover Saw Guerrera has also infiltrated the base and plans to destroy it, namely by blowing it to smithereens. Hunter asks Saw to abandon the mission since they're trying to rescue captured clone soldiers. He's like, yeah, I I understand what you're doing. I understand where you're coming from, but we actually need to follow this ship. So if you blow it up, that's bad. And Saw says, no, these are the high-ranking Imperial officials. That's, That's the mission. That's the objective. And he and his comrade flee. Woof. It's a tough one. Whenever you see young, attractive Sagarera, you're like, oh, hi. But then also you're like, oh, no, <laughs> this is not going <laughs> to work out well for anybody. So Tarkin is warned of the incursion and assures the other commanders that everything is fine. They're in Tarkin's personal panic room, which works very well. He orders mm-hmm. his troopers to go find the intruders. The Babbage try to escape on the Skyrail car, but an explosion causes the car to lose power. Tech remarks that this is going to be a problem. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is, my guy. We ne- go into the next episode. Plan 99 begins where we left off in the skies of Ariadu. The Babbage are under attack by stormtroopers in a nearby car. This was really cool how they were like at cross sections and they were shooting mm-hmm. at each yeah. other. So nobody really had the high ground. It was like we are at a lateral ground. Nothing is really happening here, but it was still really fun to see. Tech offers to reboot the power so they can escape, and he climbs out of the car and onto the upper rail line. Shocking absolutely no one, Tarkin orders for an airstrike team to take out the Bad Batch, and he does not care about possible friendly fire casualties. Not one bit. Doesn't care at all. If you hit them, their families might... They're less expensive clones, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Charge it on the Amex, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. The Ariadu X. I was going to say, is that an EX? Like, Eeks? Eeks? Charge it on the E. I like that. <laughs> that just sounds weird. Erex. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds like something else. Yeah, Tarkin loved it though. I'm sure he would definitely love that. Tech, of course, because he's amazing, restores the power, but as he races back to the car, one of the V-wings damages it, splitting the car apart. Tech is left dangling above this giant chasm, and I'm like, oh no. And this is where everything turns out okay because a ship comes in and saves them, and all yes, and podcast over. Yes, the episode ends happy ending for all. (laughs) And okay, we have to go back to reality. Tech attempts to climb to back to the car, but it is no use. If they try and rescue him, the others are going to fall to their deaths too because Wrecker tries to shift towards him, and the weight is pulling the car down. He says that there is no other option. And he shoots the hinge holding the cars together, plummeting to the planet surface. Mm-mm. So no. no, it does get the car reattached and the restored power sends uh, it hurtling through the air, crashes to the other side. Hunter and Wrecker grab a dazed Omega and run for the Marauder. And for a and last attack. Yes, we gotta. I just, gotta mm, can't. My boy. <laughs> I hated watching this. I was like, how yeah dare you my favorite i was like of course it has to be my favorite everyone i like dies everyone i don't know if you've listened to this podcast enough but if i like a character be prepared for them to die (laughs) it was rough i was absolutely shocked that they did it and uh so we get that amazing shot of 
Omega just dazed as they uh, bring her onto the Marauder. And they're talking about her injuries are pretty bad. So they have to take her to Ord Mantell to be treated because AZ is there. They know that is their best shot to get her taken care of. So Hunter has a talk with her when she wakes up, letting her know that they're going to settle on Pabu if that's what she wants, because unfortunately tech is gone and she has to, (laughs) she has to face that. And it is tough. Unfortunately, Sid does not have the kind of loyalty that the clones do. She has betrayed the Bad Batch and she turned them into Hemlock. Scientist arrives and he captures Wrecker and then Hunter trying to lure Omega in. She is unwilling to run away with AZ like she was told and instead she confronts Hemlock which brave but foolish. I wish she was just a tiny bit of a better shot than than she could have just taken him out with the bow. Yeah. Still brave of her. (laughs) Very brave. We love her. <laughs> so Echo's back on the Marauder with Gonky. So he kind of like figures out what's going on. He hears everything on the comms. AZ finds him after Omega is facing off against Hemlock. And they attack in a great scene with an ATAC yeah. walker. Kind Amazing. of, it's a very, I mean, it's it's Return of the Jedi. It's a very yeah. Rebels type thing to have happened. Oh, it's totally co- Rebels. <laughs> commandeer yeah. and just kind of wreak havoc. It allows Hunter and Wrecker to escape but Omega still gets taken. Mm-hmm. And Hunter resolves to rescue Omega and to not stop searching until they do. Back on Mount Tantus, Hemlock brings Omega to Nalase, who looks just absolutely devastated that they captured her girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Omega is then brought to Emery Carr for some medical treatment. And in the bay, she sees Crosshair, along with a lot of other clones who are being experimented on. She's distraught. She's like, wake Crosshair up. What the hell is going on? I want to talk to Nalase. But Carr wonders why Omega would ever trust a Kaminoan. And Omega's like, well, what the, what the hell would you know about it? And Emery Carr takes off those glasses and just like, I know a lot about, I know a lot about it because we're sisters. And it turns out Emery Carr is a clone. She's bum, another bum, bum. female clone. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends, and the season ends, and fuck you, Jennifer Corbett. <laughs> How dare you take away that? I know, literally the best one. Literally <laughs> the best. He best, was my best favorite one. He was just a delight, and we knew from the beginning of the season when he started to get a lot more screen time that there was a possibility that he could be the one that was taken out we did think it would probably be echo first but it makes a lot more sense now because we got really attached to tech that he would be the one that they would kill attached to tech before it was cool well i know (laughs) well yeah at the very beginning in clone wars when they showed up i was like "Ooh, the glasses one he's smart yay (laughs) i think tech and crosshair are definitely the standouts for the clones and Mm. Tech is now gone, and Crosshair is like tied to a table and unconscious <laughs> after being tortured for a really long time. Whoo! Okay, all right, we're gonna head into our reactions and favorite moments segment. Oof, <laughs> oof, oof! Oh my god, these episodes were excellent. But as we've said all throughout the pod so far, I'm so sad. I'm devastated by this. I cried while I was watching, and then I had to go to work, which was pretty obnoxious. 
me going into work my eyes are all puffy and people are like are you okay and I'm like I can't tell them that my favorite clone on an animated <laughs> Star Wars show was killed off. I mean, I feel like they should yeah. understand, but... They should. Well, my boss would have. He also really likes Star Wars, but he was <laughs> not there. Um, we had expected to get a bittersweet ending this season, but this was, yeah. like, no sweet at all. It was just tears. Like, there was nothing <laughs> except Hunter at the end being like, we're going to find her no matter what. But even that is, like desperate and dire and very empire strikes back and avatar season two and how dare you Mm -hmm. (laughs) do this to us um we're not surprised that the other shoe finally dropped on sid i'm glad that she at least looked ashamed of what she did and wasn't full evil but it wasn't enough yeah this she didn't like call them up and was like she did not call them up like hey i know what you mean like they found her yeah yeah she didn't like directly turn them in but still it's like her actions put a literal child in danger the bad badger are in danger there's no excuse like they've saved her ass so many times she could have tried to cover for them at least a little bit um the reveal that car is another clone wasn't too surprising considering the character's very blatant new zealand accent (laughs) but it is kind of nice to know that omega isn't alone as the only female clone but then there's so many questions that open up about Carr, and we're definitely going to talk about that a little bit later. Daniel, what did you think? Well, I mean, it was really well done. Not the direction I thought we were going to go. I really did think Rescue and Crosshair was going to be uh, what what they did. But, you know, having them not just go through a mission where it doesn't go to plan, but they lose so much. And then have to deal with the fallout of it. Like, I thought it was just really well done how they paced everything out. Like, especially making basically, yeah, the the season finale starts with tech dying. And like, you barely are getting time to process that before we're having to deal with the situation on Ord Mantel. So I thought it was just really well paced. It was, it kept me gripped from the whole way through. And then by the time it was done, I was like, Wait, no, 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 no. You're telling me the season's done? Like, we need a couple more episodes. Are you kidding me? So I thought it was incredibly well done. Um, Fuck you guys. I haven't had to go to therapy in a while. Um, I've been feeling good. I've been feeling fine. Haven't felt like I needed it. Not since we talked about the last animal dying in the the live action movies. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess I'm going to have to go uh, resubmit a couple days now. Thank you, Jennifer and Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the animation in these it was Beautiful. so gorgeous. I loved the structure of these episodes. I thought they actually did a really, really great job before the Saw reveal. I mm-hmm. was like, is this actually a trap? Because they're making references to like these the security cameras were turned off or like this is kind of going wrong. And I'm like, ooh, is this actually something like up Tarkin or Hemlock's sleeve? that they've got something going, trying to lure the batch into a particular trap. But then it turns out it's Saw, and of course, anytime he's there, he is an agent of chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. terrorists. It's not, yeah. it's not the Empire, it's just terrorists. It's just terrorists. It's fine. And I was thinking about kind of a little bit in the timeline here, so my guess at this point, there's a small chance that Saw has met the Urso family. But he has not like helped them escape yet. He's not 
we're several years away from him like becoming Jin's guardian and do that so he's still on his own with his partisans mm-hmm. and that was just really really cool to insert him in this way and good god tech just ugh. as soon as I saw like the, the title of the episode is playing 99 I was like ugh. oh this is not going to be good yeah no. this is not going to yep. be good yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> okay um Favorite moments? Not a lot, considering how sad it all was. Um, my favorite was Fee's hilarious attempt at chatting slash flirting with Tech. Definitely the highlight, although it should have been my clue that something terrible was going to happen because yeah. no one in Star Wars can be in a romantic relationship and have it end well. Like yeah. It just doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I would guess Frog Lady and her husband really the only ones I can and they, and they lost like half their eating. children yeah. yeah and they lost a bunch yeah. of their children <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. so yeah that was my thing i fee and tech had this just great little chemistry going on and now she's gonna have to find out that he's dead and i'm not here for that no yeah that's gonna be rough i'm i'm gonna be a little sick my favorite moment was actually the whole rail car escape sequence oh it was really cool I, it was amazing i mean it sequence. was it was an amazing sequence not a fan of how it ends for tech i mean for story reasons i understand why it's happening like i'm like this is well done good like i'm not shitting on the decision i'm just like sad for my boy um but like everything else around it was great and as you mentioned the animation was beautiful the music was great the way they set up like the danger of you can't quite see where are they coming from with the clouds and like it just was all put together very well. It was a really well done set piece where I, I felt the tension even before tech fell. I was like, oh, someone might not get out of this. And then by the time tech is running back, you're like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. Like they did a great job building the tension. Uh, it, it was a solid payoff moment. Like it, I felt earned. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, kudos to them for pulling it off. Yeah. I think my favorite moment is when Omega stands up and attempts to free her brothers. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just great because she is so often, she's trying to stick to her guns. She is telling them that they have to stand up, that they have to fight, that they have to go in. And Hunter and them are always telling her, like, you're coming from a good place, but you're not quite trained for this yet. Like, there's a reason we try and hold you back from this a little bit and here you you see why but you still respect her for sticking to her guns to standing up to a group of soldiers much bigger much more numerous than she is mm-hmm. and attempting to go to go for it it was kind of an also kind of another like indiana jones reference where she's like holding the bow from from behind <laughs> from afar yeah. uh-huh and then you get you add in the kind of shenanigans with the walker the walker was great <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah, here for I the was. walker. <laughs> we needed that moment. Yeah, it was like an echo move from Anakin Skywalker. For real. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, General Skywalker would have loved this. <laughs> oh my oh. gosh! All right, next we are going to head into our Easter eggs, connections, callbacks, and homages. So, Colleen, where where do these episodes take place? Ariadu, which we found out how to pronounce. Yay! <laughs> So this is Tarkin's homeworld. It's an outer rim planet known for its cantankerous people. They're kind of like 
they're hunters basically like they send their children out to kill a monster in order to like become grown which fine i guess but also don't send your children out to kill monsters <laughs> it was known that messing with ariadu would lead to your eminent demise which was made apparent in the high republic era the their representation in those novels is great because they're basically like fuck off get off our fucking planet <laughs> Oh, it sounds like these people are taking my philosophy of get good. Yeah. Let your kids basically, just get yeah. good. Yeah. Can't face a giant dragon. Can't face a giant wolf. All right. Guess you're not good enough for the Mandalorians or for Iriadu. Pretty much. Pretty much. I think Tarkin kills two at the same time, like these two tigerish looking cat things. It's something. Yeah, it's something like that. In one of the comics, he killed so he's two a cats. Why can't you have killed at least yeah. one? What are you doing, little Jimmy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's off to the spice mines for you. It sounds like you're not a good warrior. Yeah, definitely not a Tarkin, that's for sure. <laughs> so the planet is most known, besides their get-off-my-lawn people, for exporting Lomite ore. And the no the planet also features really heavily, of course, in the canon novel Tarkin. So you kind of get to know the planet that shaped this guy. And he's definitely a child of Ariadu. Oh, 100%. It's a great novel. So on Ariadu, we have the compound where Tarkin holds this little summit, and it is called Raven's Peak. Now, this seems like a pretty oh overt overt nod to the Eagle's Nest, yeah. which is a high-level, high secure compound used by the Nazis during World War II. It was mainly used for government and social meetings. Hitler often attended. Uh, in the HBO series Band of Brothers, Easy Company ends their final mission at the Eagle's Nest. Uh, it's also kind of was thrust back into the spotlight when some vacation photos from a certain former North Carolina congressman <laughs> surfaced. Not not what you want people to see. No. I'm going to take us to the next one. Otherwise, I will go on forever about how the dumb that motherfucker is. Um, <laughs> shuttle and clearance codes. Mm -hmm. We see this all the time in Star Wars. And I'm here for it every time. It is such a reoccurring, uh, like, basic infiltration technique across Star Wars. You know, like, it's an old code, but it checks out. That's right. They totally get in really easily. But not, like, eerily easily, like in the episode of Mandalorian we just watched, which we'll also be talking about <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in a couple days. But still, that was that just really hilarious. Happened. Yeah, it really did. We're we're just talking about it right now because we want to be sure that all of us actually watched the episode that occurred. <laughs> fever dream. <laughs> it was definitely a fever dream. You know what else is a fever dream? Riding at that incredible altitude on that sky rail. I would not, absolutely mm -hmm. not, would not get on that thing. Uh, this oh, isn't. I I, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and I have ridden like a funicular and one of those cable cars up a mountain, but I was pretty young. And I did not enjoy it then, and I would not enjoy it now. Uh, this isn't like the Skyliner at Disney World, although it does operate with a top track, just like that ride does. And it's also like the freight train that we see in Solo, the mm -hmm. movie, which had another really cool train sequence. Should have been the I, whole movie. I know. We know, yeah. and ours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, We do love that Wrecker is still afraid of heights. We'd love to see that the show continues to bring this back. It doesn't abandon characterization. And it's really funny when he's like closing his eyes and he's like, I can get through this. 
And then he looks down. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, exactly. That would have been me. <laughs> Next, we have, we mentioned him before, our guy, Director Krennic, although he's not a director yet, and Project Stardust. So, kind of surprising to see Krennic at the high table because Tarkin hates him. Absolutely hates him. So he's probably still in development on the Death Star plans. I think at this point he probably still has Galen working for him voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he hasn't fucked up too many times just yet. And of course, Project Stardust is the Death Star. Because it's Star Wars in this era. We have to know what's going on with the Death Star. Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) I'm just going to have it as my own personal headcanon that this meeting was where Tarkin was like, you know what? This guy fucking sucks. Doesn't even have a cape yet, but he sucks. (laughs) Like, this guy fucking sucks. So the other people that fucking suck are the guys around the high table at the summit. So we've got Barton Coburn, who served with the Republic Navy during the Clone Wars, and Hearst uh, Ramoti, who was with the Republic Army during the Clone Wars, and shows up in Rogue One. Both of them have strong ties to Tarkin, so it makes sense that they're there. Ramoti actually tries to stand up for the clones, but is shot down by Tarkin. Because anything positive for anyone, we can't have that around Tarkin. No. Not even himself. <laughs> yeah, no. Tarkin doesn't even like himself, let's face it. Um, I liked this part, too. Tarkin is always worried about expenses. He mentions that Hemlock's program is quite expensive. Hemlock Mm -hmm. casually drops that the project is very important to the Emperor. Tarkin should be raising his brow a little bit at this. Like, since when did Palpy have other friends? Excuse me. He's not a Grand Moff yet, so. Yeah, he's not the Grand Moff yet. He's still, like, fresh off of his time during the Clone Wars. He's probably guessed who Vader is already. the comment also ties into storylines explored in other properties like Rebels, where competing priorities like the Death Star and Thrawn's TIE Defender Fighter are competing for Imperial funds. So already these guys are sitting at a table fighting about who should get the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Tarkin doesn't want people to like be in rampant self-interest mode, but it's already here. Like, sorry, my guy, you've lost. What I love about that one in Rebels, though, is just that the Death Star is, like, so close to being done. It's just like, no, you cannot possibly write this off now. Mm-hmm. How many background movies is that thing going to cost in a tax, in a tax write-down? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Except we mentioned in, we saw the mouse droid. He, these guys first appeared in A New Hope. They performed very simple tasks around starships, corporate facilities. In one short story from a certain point of view... Uh, we get a story told from the point of view of a mouse droid and mm-hmm. also features an unnamed Imperial officer who's almost definitely Tarkin. Who's very gay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am totally here for. I love it. I mean, make your gaze complex, nasty, messy, all of that. Yes. And, Tarkin and in like fits. the ultimate position of power. <laughs> oh, that drama queen be amazing uh so we also see saw guerrera who's a little bit of a drama queen Mm -hmm. uh last time we saw him and the bad batch saw him was in season one when they were sent to assassinate him and they were like you know what let's not kill you unfortunately he's only interested in blowing up the summit not in talking at all he does not care that the batch have their own important mission um it's something like if he had killed some of these guys especially tarkin 
it makes you wonder like how differently things would have gone because like tech's right they would have been replaced but how effective would those replacements have been Right. I think it actually would have gone pretty... I think it would have gone relatively smoothly because these are the types of guys that there is someone kind of waiting in the wings to just take over. Where I the think places Tarkin is, Tark is you're a replacing unique element, Tarkin, though. yeah. If you're he replacing would be the Tarkin, one. That yeah. it's possible. But the thing about Tarkin is that someone could step into that position because Tarkin is not... Tarkin is not like someone more like the Emperor who at this point is still also kind of holding things together by sheer force of personality. Mm -hmm. He has that cult of personality. Tarkin's just ruling through fear. And there are plenty of people who are able to do that. Just a question of whether or not they're smart enough. Right. Yeah, Tarkin's got that lethal combination of tactical acumen and also he's a scary motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. Terrifying. You know what? He's kind of like a Tywin Lannister and he's a there's a bunch of people yeah. yeah that wish they could be that but then they come off as bumbling assholes instead so you never Without know Tarkin there Vader might have like gone off his rocker a couple <laughs> extra times killed more Imperial Navy high command he's just a little unhinged everyone it's fine <laughs> okay so next we have plan 99 cry some more with me please the bad batch are known as clone force 99 they got their name from another irregular clone whose name was 99 my guy <laughs> our boy Love <laughs> i loved him so much in the clone wars tv show a 99 sacrificed himself for his fellow clone brothers during a battle tech here is most likely referring to sacrificing himself as the same kind of choice it's a lot like spock telling kirk in star trek the wrath of khan that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Another movie that'll make me cry like instantly. Being hyperlogical like Spock Tech would definitely agree with this. Plan 99 is also kind of the inverse of Order 66, which is cool. Like, yes, the few Jedi were slaughtered for the needs of the many. No, the needs of the one. But this is like, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they, he marketed it as being for the needs of the many. But it really was for the needs of the one. But that was a sacrifice that was selfish, whereas 99 is a sacrifice where you're giving everything God. for your family to live. So it just, this just <laughs> popped into my head just now, and this is totally just because like the show is airing right now. Mm-hmm. 99 was just such a cool guy. Like he was just happy to be involved. He was so positive on everything. Like imagine 99 in an episode of like Ted Lasso. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has Ted Lasso. He energy has such Ted sure. Lasso energy. Or he had 99 would get along. Yes. Yes. He wouldn't have been an asshole like Nate. <laughs> Fuck you. I want to believe that, uh, that as a team they watched the 99 episode mm-hmm. they watched like the invasion of camino episodes together oh absolutely one of, one of them Danny was totally bawling. loves it yeah. yeah oh yeah one of them has to love star wars like for real. oh absolutely <laughs> next up we have the v-wing pilots again now we notice that they don't yet have the black fighter pilot uniforms from the original trilogy they're in kind of standard stormtrooper gear so just like we're going to evolve into the full tie fighters we will mm-hmm. evolve into those uniforms mm-hmm. exactly and uh oh man hex last words are just rough when have we ever followed orders i 
honestly, it just it shows how different they are from uh, the rest of their clone brothers. The show began with them ignoring orders they felt were inappropriate, and now Tech's showing his individuality and stubbornness by making the sacrifice to save others, and god damn it, man. <laughs> god damn it. What a freaking knife right in the gut. So rude. <laughs> oh. oh, everything's fine. You know who else is fine, though? AZ. I love him. I love him so much. The Bad Batch choose to take Omega back to Ord Mantel to see AZ, who is a medical droid, so this makes sense. This might not have been the best call, though, considering what happens later with Sid, but at least he was someone they could trust to treat Omega like he wouldn't turn them in, and they know yeah. that. Yeah. AZ's been around since the Clone Wars TV show, where he worked with Fives on Kamino to reveal the Order 66 plot. So we love yeah. him. Thanks we for bringing that up. Him. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've got 99, we've got fives, we've got tech. I mean, this is an episode designed to make us cry. Yeah. Except we have the we have multiple types of walkers here. We have the ATAP, the ATSD walkers. Hemlock has some pretty big guns with him. So the ATAP walker in this episode, uh, those are the ones from the Clone Wars era. They're still a little bit more like insect like. Um, and then but later we get what becomes the ATST chicken walkers from the Imperial era? We had oh. the one of them in Empire Strikes Back in like one shot, <laughs> and then they're in Return of the Jedi. The scene where Omega is taken mirrors the scene in Empire Strikes Back when Leia watches Boba Fett fly away with Han. And yeah, we get the comparisons, guys. It's the Empire Strikes Back of the Bad Batch. Like, thanks for just rubbing it in. <laughs> It's so rude. You know what else was really fucking rude? <laughs> As the Bad Batch are leaving Ord Mantell, they look at Omega's empty room at the back of the Marauder, and guess who's there? Lula. Wrecker's former Tuka doll is sitting there all alone, with no Omega to hug her. It's rude. It was rude. so rude. Oh, I was, I was like, really? You really had to point out that her room is empty? <laughs> God, just put the uh, oh just make that final Bad Batch logo white or something. God, oh my God, oh, oh. I, I oh. probably would have lost it. <laughs> <laughs> mm, you're taking me back to some serious uh, PTSD right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Now time for some uh, rampant theorizing, some discussion points here. We have to bring it up. We never actually saw the body. As depressed as we all are, is Tech really dead i don't want to sound like i'm wishing for him to be dead but i hope that he is i don't want to have it be another like oh no he actually survived oh he's we gave him some upgrades and now he's gonna like be a slave to the empire but we're gonna save him in the end and like they already I did that with echo yeah 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 we've done this it it needs to be final like it he made that sacrifice to save his family. It it needs to have that weight to it, that finality. Right. I don't want him to be dead, no. but it for the story it it wouldn't it wouldn't serve the story at all to bring him back in this moment. No. So if we find out that he's actually floating in a back to tank on Mount Tantus, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> damn it. Damn it. No, I mean, I mean, part of me is they, like, yes, but then the storyteller in me is like, no, 
Yeah, yeah no, this I mean, is... they they could winter soldier him or something, but I honestly, I, he should just be dead. Yeah. He should. Because Crosshair's kind of already the exactly winter soldier. Like, it they're would running feel out of too tropes. repetitive. Yeah. yeah exactly. Definitely. And I think, I mean, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Tech just his arc this season, everything about it, everything kind of mm-hmm. came together. Those smaller moments, those what a lot of people labeled as like filler episodes that we were still pretty down on. Like the we were still pretty high on. I mean, yeah. like the racing, tech. the racing episode yeah. was all tech, yeah. and it gave us great character development for him. Yes, his emotional connection with Omega. Oh God, that's one was of the high so points well. of this of this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just beautifully done. They really needed to sell that desperation from Omega. Mm -hmm. And we've seen her relationship with uh, Wrecker, with Hunter. Like, those are much more clear. Yeah. And and so, like, having us spend this whole season of showing them getting closer and understanding each other more, and you really buy into it, so in that moment when Echo, or not when Echo, when Omega's watching, like, yeah, it, I was totally sold on that devastated her. That shredded her. That was one of her brothers. And they really sold that throughout this whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. And especially after she was just dealing with all this change after losing Echo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they gave us like a little bit of the preview of where this was going. And I think it was just really overall masterfully done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at first we were all just kind of like, oh, cool. We're spending some time with somebody who's not Hunter. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. And then ripped him away from us. Yeah. Rude. Yeah. (laughs) Sons of bitches. Very, very rude. I enjoyed his arc, though, because he moved from when we first met him in the Clone Wars. He was just like the, the smarty pants one that would say stuff. Then he turned into like this guy who's like, what do you mean? Isn't it obvious? Like, <laughs> and he's so deadpan funny when he's being serious and people are trying to joke with him and he doesn't understand the sarcasm part. I love that. Very uh, Shoto Todoroki of him, Daniel. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> is. I don't know what that is. No, you don't. He's Fire Nice Boy from My Hero oh, okay. <laughs> Academia. But he is also that kind of character who is very has a deeper inner life, but he has trouble expressing it. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to see a character like that on Star Wars and for them to get that much attention and love as a character. It's really hard to let him go because now they're going to be missing that aspect of the crew. But now we're probably going to get to know Echo a little bit more next would be my guess. We'll see. I mean, is Echo coming back? Is he abandoning his thing with Rex? I think it might become part of the mission with Rex. I think Rex is working on the larger rebellion, clone rebellion situation. And Echo is kind of off helping out the Bad Batch. But then Hunter would be a great addition along with Wrecker. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Rex was our Sid next season. You know, like our safe haven to come back uh, to yeah. the our one handing us out missions. Bosley. Yeah, I That's true. I think that would. It it seems like with the way the season ended, like they are fully into the fight now. Uh, it, it 
feels like the natural progression is go to Rex. Rex mm -hmm. is kind of like their their field commander type thing. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's at least how I'm interpreting it. Yeah. I figured Echo would stay with them, especially after they lost tech. I mean, he he fills the gap in terms of the narrative, in terms of like he's Abilities. the tech guy. Yeah. yeah. And also it's just like it the batch feels incomplete if there's just three clones and then Omega. Yeah. Uh, like it yeah, so it, you need him around still. Mm -hmm. Plus he's gonna be real mad. <laughs> Oh, he's gonna be pissed. Yes, like they're all really pissed. But Echo, once he sees the torture that's happening because it's happened to him already, ooh, I Hemlock, you're gonna get your head blown off, and I cannot wait for it. <laughs> you know, Rex is probably also pissed at someone else, and mm -hmm. that would be Sid. Mm -hmm. Now they've been foreshadowing this all see all season long. Yeah, that this was gonna yeah. kind of be the way that this ended. How do you guys feel about this conclusion for Sid? Assuming it is a conclusion. Uh -huh. She needs to get her comeuppances. I mean, yeah, if she doesn't have some sort of redemption, she's at least got to pay in some way for what's happened here. I mean, if Rex goes there and the Batch are gone and she has no explanation for it, he's not going to be very happy. But I mean... Sid, I think she was full of empty threats when she kept saying she was going to turn them in. I don't think she would have. I think she no. was just blowing smoke. And then she just got caught. Yeah, which she knew was coming Yeah, at some point. She was like, they will absolutely show up here someday. Mm -hmm. And she at least was an interesting character. Like that seedy underbelly person who she did like Omega a lot. And she liked the Bad Batch. But ultimately, she is a survivor type who will do anything for her mm -hmm. own personal survival. Not great on a morality front, but there are characters and people like that. Yeah. But we don't like it. Couldn't we have had one good Trandoshan? <laughs> no. Apparently one. not. Not allowed. Just one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that this this is a good place to leave Sid. Mm -hmm. To potentially have her come back, you know. Maybe for like one episode sometime in season three, as like a we're calling it a favor bitch. Fee, Fee gonna be mad. <laughs> My boyfriend is dead, and you, oh yeah, you when did Fee this. finds out about you, tech. know what you took away from me. And then the other big thing coming out of this episode, obviously the final revelation, Doctor Emery Carr. Where is this storyline gonna go? Whose side is she really on? Like a lot of people called this that she was a factor clone. This is mm -hmm. actually something it, I did not pick up on it at all oh the accent i wondered about the accent, the I was accent like... didn't it just didn't register with me so when she does this now i'm like i have so many questions and when she stopped crosshair's torture and kind yeah, of... was, that was interesting that was one yeah. thing i was like oh maybe she's like kind of a good guy i don't know like whose side is she really on does hemlock know her status as a clone i feel like he where is to. this gonna go you would think so but then wouldn't she be being experimented at it's yeah and Nala Say might not even know. Like, I would have to go back and watch and yeah. see if Emery is in any scenes with her. Because she obviously has the aging that the clones do. Like, Omega and Boba didn't have the aging. Mm -hmm. But it appears like Emery does. Yeah. Do we think Emery might be Alpha? No, Boba's like, Alpha, alpha to... I think. Boba oh, Boba's alpha. alpha? Okay. I think Boba's Alpha. Well, I don't know Should if that's be a ever... beta, though. I don't know if beta that's test. ever been explicitly stated, but I'm pretty sure Boba's I think, Alpha. Yeah, I think in 
season one, they talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Because it was kind of like Django asked for a son, and Alice was like, "But I want a daughter." <laughs> and <laughs> I kind of like the idea that there's more female clones out there. It gives us a chance to get into like orphan black type territory. Yes, please. <laughs> <Cool>. Yeah. <laughs> Tatiana Maslany, are you busy? Can you be in a Star <laughs> Wars, please? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I'd be totally fine with Tatiana Maslany in a Star Wars. Let's go. I am curious where they're going to take this, though, because I did not expect this. Like when I was yeah. like, she might be a clone, but why? And I, w- I did not call this happening, like adding another female clone. It's another interesting wrinkle that they're bringing in. And she could just be a neutral party. It's hard to say because there's a ton yeah. of other clones in there who are being put in tanks that she is not helping. So why is she helping Crosshair? And, and is she? Omega. And now Omega. I mean, I can see why she would maybe help Omega because it's this cute little girl standing there and she's like, oh, another girl clone. You're my sister. Like, this is, you're right, Anders. <laughs> this is very orphan black with the sisters, <laughs> sisters and brothers. Talk. Yes. <laughs> I'm loving it. All right. So, next up, this is normally where we'd have our like any final questions, predictions. And this time, since this is the season finale, any just like whole season thoughts you guys have? I enjoyed it a whole lot. I think the Babish does a really good job balancing. Because in the beginning, we were like, there seems like there's a couple filler episodes in here. But once you take in the season as a whole, they fit really well. Like the whole Indiana Jones theme that continued throughout the entire season. The characterization that we got for tech and for fee. Like it was really needed because the tech fee little romantic connection there for the adult watchers of the program would be like oh they're gonna smooch oh my gosh this is great um i think it all came together very well i think it's actually doing a superior job of coming together than the mandalorian has been doing this season i'll agree Mm -hmm. with that and i'm not i mean we still we have to watch the last two episodes of mando but this didn't feel disjointed and I think Mando has been kind of giving us that disjointed feel. Babesh never has felt disjointed. It's felt like they know where the narrative's going. They're very sure about what they want to do with the characters. They know the characters, know what they want them to do, and are still willing to give us surprises that work with the story and the uh, callbacks and the homages and the Easter eggs. And the stunt casting voice work has mm-hmm. actually worked in their favor very well this season like Hector Elizondo hell yeah <laughs> he might be <laughs> yes. a that guy for some people but he's a very well-known actor and getting him to be on the show was fantastic Jimmy Smith um, yeah Jimmy, Jimmy Simpson <laughs> sorry Jimmy Simpson yeah, Jimmy Simpson is fantastic like holy shit he needs to be a villain in more things <laughs> yeah he is yeah eerie and it's just his voice and I've seen him in live action he can do eerie very well but just as his voice was like you don't want to fuck with this guy like even tarkin's kind of "Mm, i don't know if i want to press you because he's that dude huffs poison for fun i don't want to mess with him yeah this guy is drinking his iocane powder he is getting immune to all kinds of poisons i can't wait for him to go down hopefully Mm -hmm. next season like who knows emery car might be the one to break the cloning code for palpatine we don't know that could happen, which would be really interesting if a clone 
that Palpatine ordered to be made crack the code for him to become a clone later on. There's all kinds of crazy narrative implications there that could be cool. Do we think next season might be the last season? Like we get I believe clone so. rebellion. It's maybe, possible. And then end with Bad Batch retiring. Because then we could get clone rebellion. A lot of the clones die and don't make it out. We we know three for sure. Rex, Gregor, and Wolf because they're in Rebels. Yeah. We don't know about anybody else. So there's a lot of tension that they can totally so get out of I know. Oh no. I really, <laughs> I really want our boys and Omega to be on Pabu at the end. I yeah. think that would be a satisfying conclusion to be like, we had the clone rebellion. We tried. We actually saved people from Mount Tantus. They could even destroy part of Mount Tantus and force the cloning project back decades, which seems to be the case if it's yeah. in um, the unknown regions. Wild One space. small ship makes it out. Exactly. Goes to Exegol. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know we're trying to make Rise of Skywalker work, but they're doing it in a compelling way here. Yeah. I am very engaged with this story. And I think that's amazing that they've done it with clones who are supposed to be from the same person. But they're obviously completely different from each other. Every single clone that we've seen that gets like a major part has something unique to say, has a unique character or feature. And that's just crazy. Like... I remember watching Revenge of the Sith and being like, oh, Commander Cody, he's the only clone we know. I'm attached to him now because we knew his <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. And everyone else just seemed kind of like filler. And then after watching Clone Wars and Rebels and now this, just getting to fill out the narrative for the clones is chef's kiss. Fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Love it. This is the thing George Lucas would love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if next season is the last season. I kind of want there to be more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, because this, this season gave strong Empire Strikes Back type vibes, especially at the end. So it would make sense that we'd kind of get into the Return of the Jedi of it all next season. I'm a little worried on that front just because this season, the way it ends, Omega is captured. Like It ends on a continuing plot point. Like Season 1 ended, Kamino was destroyed, but the batch was like came out the other side and we saw them like just after that. Now they're kind of like in the middle of a plot, mm-hmm. which always worries me when I see that usually in film, like when, Oh, the first movie comes out and it's great. And then they write and shoot films two and three back to back. And they're basically one long story. And I'm like, no, don't do that. It doesn't work very well. It's not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're the Lord of the Rings and there's already yeah, a that, that's a that's a totally different. That's a <laughs> yes. whole different concept. But um, one thing I will say, I would love to see next season. I mean, I know she's busy, but Jennifer Corbett, please like write more episodes. Mm-hmm. So she's in season, so in season yeah. one, she wrote the two part opener, uh, and the Camino Lost, the second part of the finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also wrote. Um, Battle Scars, which was in like the shipyard and the junkyard. Mm-hmm. She wrote one of the episodes in the Ryloth arc. Mm-hmm. This season, she wrote the the premiere and the finale. And then she did the Outpost and Tipping Point, which are two of the Crosshair episodes. Yeah. So she has got Crosshair 
down. She's got some great, great writing chops, and I just would love to see her cook. Yeah. Exactly. Just let her go. Let her fly free. Just let her let her do her thing. Let her cook. (laughs) And I hope that's the case going forward, because it seems like the season three is going to be a little bit more focused on, you know, the bigger picture now. Mm -hmm. Condensing kind of. Yeah. Kind of like Clone Wars did. It started out so broad and then it like very slowly condensed to Mandalore and then Order 66. I can I can see them just being like. It's all clones, baby. This is the clone. This is the real Clone Wars right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's rough. I know. <laughs> uh, you know, I I really enjoyed this season. Uh, there there were moments where it's like, okay, we are kind of spinning our wheels here. I wish we would move forward a bit, but I I understand that thematically is what they were going for as well. Uh, with the batch kind of you know, losing their way a bit, having to find their purpose again, and uh, unfortunately being thrust back into it uh, in unwilling circumstances at the end of the season. Uh, I I will say it it was a good follow-up to the first season because I really was not expecting Bad Batch to be as good as it was when Mm -hmm. it came out. Um, I wasn't as big on those episodes of The Clone Wars, so I was a little hesitant. First season really blew me away. The second season, I might not hold on the same level as the first season, but I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I think this was a perfectly good season TV. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm just kind of sad that I did see it coming that like, oh, we're going to lose someone and this is going to end badly. Like, I could kind of tell that this is where this was going to go. I didn't know the exacts. <laughs> yeah, but like you could see the writing on the wall and mm-hmm. they still made me shocked and sad when it happened. So, I mean, I'm just looking forward to a third season because it feels like a third season is is the logical place where they could close off this story. They probably could do a fourth, but it, it feels like the more natural thing to do is close it off after three. So I'm gonna predict it. I'm gonna predict yeah. it here. Uh-oh. Um, I'm I just been like just been like formulating in my head. So we kind of lost Echo, yeah, and now we've lost Tech. So season three, we lose Wrecker, and then season four is a is basically the last of us with hunter and omega making their way across the galaxy i'm no i'm gonna say something (laughs) i'm gonna say something even more controversial actually (laughs) i think the season or the series will end with the only two survivors being omega and crosshair very possible yeah because they're gonna totally team up yeah in mount tantus you know they're gonna get up to some shenanigans I, oh, I think it no. might just be them left at the end. And they go to Pabu and Omega shows Crosshair that you can yeah. live a normal, quotes, normal, relaxed, a more relaxed life. Yeah, I I, I feel like Crosshair then, might be the only one to actually make it out. And then Fee walks yeah. up to Crosshair and says, here, put these goggles on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you in Here's a wig. Play? Yeah, here's a wig. You're still going to have, you know, the hairline pushed back, but. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> oh man, I just I knew it was going to be sad, but I still was not prepared enough. Yeah. For how sad it. My God. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to feel things like this in an animated TV show, but That's I right. should have realized that years ago. That... Oh, yeah. yeah. After watching Rebels, after watching the freaking end of the Clone Wars, in which I sobbed for like an hour. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wild times in Star Wars animation, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Good God. All right. Well... Whew. I'm going to go submit some therapy bills, uh, unless anyone else has got anything they want to add. I think. No. All right. Besides more crying. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Well, on that note, everyone, thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcast. Hit that follow button and check out our previous episodes on the main Star Wars films, plus some other great Star Wars content. Check out all of our offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find us on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast. I'm there every once in a while, and you'll find Colleen's, uh, Colleen and Anders there. And uh, yeah, so you can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews at BohemianGeekStudies.com. Join us next time. We're going to be taking a look at the newest episode of The Mandalorian and just double checking that that actually did happen. We All did of that not happened. take shrooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So until then, remember text words. Even though it can be difficult to understand, we must carry on. And oh wait, sorry, there there is another transmission coming. <laughs> okay, is this thing on? It is it is your emperor. Everyone, I'm 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 just trying to understand. I'm trying to make sure we're all on the same page here. Did we collectively, as a galaxy, take mushrooms? Because that last Mandalorian episode was insane. Fucking Lizzo and Jack Black. Together. Married. It was honestly kind of cool. But I didn't understand what was happening. Let's all take mushrooms together. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> well, seriously, what happened?